the leadership of the church, the broader leadership of the church. God really moved. God really ministered. We have some uh, profound gifts on display from within the church that ministered to the church. Um, And what God really wanted to emphasize to us is that actually we are the ministry team. Um, You know that you are the ministry team of the church. As soon as we start to think that there is a ministry team that kind of meets here and is a special group, then what it says is if you're not part of the ch- that team, that you're not a ministry, not part of the ministry. No, 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 you are the ministry team. We are all part of the ministry team. And uh, what are, what are, are, are we in this, this series of Joshua and living in the land and claiming our inheritances and all those things, doing the work of God, but friends, one of the things that, I've, that, that has really come home to me over the last few weeks, couple of months, in fact, has I've been reminded again about the power of the Spirit that is needed or required for us to live in this land. You can live in the land with a dry heart, with, with a you kind of try and do it by your own strength, but it's never, it's going to burn you out. And if you try, if you try to Christ, uh, do a Christian life or live a Christian life in your own strength, you always burn yourself out. Because actually it was never meant to be done in your own strength. It was, me done, it was meant to be done in the, power, in the partnership with Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, and with others. And that's how we, that's how we forge forward in, a, in our community to build what God's calling us to build. So what I want to talk also next week, not next week, the following week, the 24th, the morning of the 24th of March, we are having Jean Guthrie come and minister to us in the, mor- in the morning here. And this is, she's an older lady, and she's a business lady, and she has an incredible gift about to release the power of the Spirit. And I'm really excited about the timing and the moment of that, that her coming because I feel like God wants to pour out His Spirit on His church. And He wants to pour out His Spirit on His church on top of Durban Station. I think there is a jealousy in God to pour out His Spirit over us. And so this morning what I want to do is we going to, I'm not going to get straight into Joshua, although this is part of the Joshua series. I want to talk about the importance of being baptized in the Spirit. The importance of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is I want to track us through the Scriptures, and I'd love you to write down these Scriptures. Just write down the Scriptures, and I'd love you to take this list of Scriptures. There's a few of them. And I'd love you to write that down, and I'd love you over the next couple of weeks to immerse yourself in those texts so that you have faith to see what God wants to do when Gene comes. And I'm trusting that even this morning, God's going to pour His Spirit out this morning on us. So this is important. We are not a word or spirit church. We are word and spirit church. We're not a Holy Spirit church or a Jesus church. We're a Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit church. We want the whole package. And so it's important when the Spirit moves that we ground ourselves in the Word because when the Spirit moves, things, impossible things start to happen. And what happens is we can get so excited and so enamored with this that we actually lose Jesus. Friends, what G- and what you're going to see this morning is that Jesus is pouring out His Holy Spirit on His church so that they can get on with the job. Friends, we have got a mandate in God, we have a mission in God, we have a a job to do, and that job cannot be done without the power of the Spirit. And your life can never be what it's called to be without the power of the Spirit. There's a song uh, that we sang over the weekend, the song's called New Wine by by Hillsong, and I think one of the words, two of the lines is, it's um, my paraphrase, is that God is swapping old flames for new fire. Old flames for new fire. 
And friends, when we're living with the old flames of a past season, we get tired. But we're living with a new fire for the new season, we never get tired. We want more and more and more. And friends, God wants to make us hungry for more of Him. God wants to immerse us in His Spirit. He baptizes us in water. That word baptize means to be immersed. It doesn't mean a sprinkling. It doesn't mean a dunking. It doesn't mean a... It means to be immersed. To be immersed in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To be immersed in the Godhead. And that same word baptized is used of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in Him. Where you can't stand anymore. You're in Him. You're under Him. He's all around you. He's on you. He's in you. There's a powerful thing when God baptizes us in the Spirit. So if you can turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 24. And I'm literally going to go through these texts. And I'm going to pray, as it happened, as it happened in, in, in Acts chapter 10, one of the texts we're going to get to, is that I'm going to pray that as we're reading this text, that the Spirit of God will begin to fall on us. I have an expectation that when in worship, people will get healed without letting hands being laid on. I have an expectation that when we were in the presence of God and His people, when faith is released this morning, there was incredible faith in the room that God will be, uh, chains will be broken, people will be delivered, people will be set free. You don't need people to lay hands on you because the Spirit of God is on you. And there is a place for the laying on of hands. In fact, Hebrews chapter 6, the foundation of our faith, he says we should be putting aside the milk of the, the foundations, the baby stuff. And guess what's in the foundations? Instruction about baptisms. Baptisms. Not just baptism in water. Baptisms. Baptisms in fire. Baptisms in the Holy Spirit, which the New Testament talk, talks about. And the doctrine of the laying of hands is baby stuff for the early church. Baby stuff. Instructional. Baby milk. Which It's kind of like the, the writer of Hebrews saying, like, you, should, you should have this. This is like, let's put this aside. Or let's build, let's stand on this and stretch into more of what God has for us. And I think so much of what we, what we, especially if we've been around for a long time, we forget the foundation of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be, be, be preached in His name to all nations. Friends, I trust we've got a global heart. I trust we have a global heart. God is giving this church a global heart again. We have got to be thinking globally, not locally. Global includes the local. And you never go local and then go global. It's, 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 I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the Onomast parts of the world. You never say, well, we've got Judea, then we've got Samaria, then we've got, and then we've got the outermost parts of the world. No, no, that progression is all at the same time. The outermost parts of the world must draw us into more of God, and the city, the city dynamics need to keep us rooted here and ministering here. And we never, we, never, we never do city at the expense of the nations. We want to be pulled into all of what God has for us. In his name to all nations, all nations, including America. Who believes that America needs your voice and your presence to minister to them? You know that the first world is again becoming the mission of God. 
It's not missionaries from America coming to Africa. It's missionaries from Africa going to America and England and Europe. They're in a post-Christian world. They've forgotten about Jesus. They're anti-Jesus, and they're actually um, irritated with Jesus. It's not pre-Christian. Who is this guy? It's, no, I hate this guy. Friends, they need our voices. They need our presence. They need the power of God that's going to come through us to them. God wants us to preach to all nations. My voice is going. <clears throat> and if we do this, we're never going to get through these scriptures. Beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning in Durban. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised. Listen to this. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is about to go. He's about to ascend. Friends, the gospel is that Jesus died. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he ascended. The ascension is part of the gospel. It's part of the story. So much of the church looks at Easter weekend and forgets about the ascension. Why is the ascension so important? The ascension is important because that is the time that he poured out his spirits and gave gifts to the church that the church would become all that it can be. It's part of the gospel. We should be celebrating Ascension Day as much as we are celebrating every other day. And we've kind of forgotten that. And so what he says here, he says, My Father has promised, so stay in the city. Now Jesus has told them, the, given them the Great Commission, you go into all the world, preach, to the gospel, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and keep doing this, I'll never leave you to the end of the age, until I come back, I'll never leave you. And he says to them, he gives this, this, this great commission to them, and he says to them, but before you get on with this, go and wait in the city, do not move from the city. Do not go out and try to do this until you've received the promise of the Father. Let's move on. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So often that is preached as a negative towards these guys. Actually, I love the fact that they've got expectation of Jesus. They've actually got an expectation for God. They don't know how it's going to happen. They're figuring wrong, but they've got this explanation, this expectation. Jesus, well, how are you going to restore the kingdom? They think it's physical Israel. They think it's this, this kingdom that is, they're going to see now. They don't understand the, the reality of the kingdom, but they're expectant. One of the things the church has to get again is they need to be asking stupid questions because they're expectant. And we want to so get the questions right and the answers right. Friends, just put a hunger in your heart. God, when are you going to restore my family? God, when is it? You know that Jericho, it says it was tight. I was going to preach on that this morning. It says it was tightly shut up. Is your family, this bad family situation, it's tightly shut up. Nothing can get in and nothing can get out, it says. God gives them a strategy. Start walking around the walls and give a loud shout and the walls come down. Friends, have you got expectation for your family to be restored, for your marriage to be restored, for your kids to be restored, for your finances to be restored, for your job and your employment to be restored? Friends, God wants to put expectation in the life of the church. We're trusting in Him. It doesn't matter whether you give it or don't give it, Lord. We know that you are God. But Lord, we expect you to move in power and to bring power to us. 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. He's saying to them, Listen, it's not exactly like you think, but this is what it is. This is what it is. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the world. Jesus said, Don't go anywhere. Now, the resurrected Jesus has come to them and he's teaching them in the book of Acts. He says, listen, don't worry about the times and the dates. Just know this. The Spirit has given to you to empower you to be witnesses for my name. So this, my name can be taken across the globe. Do you believe that God wants to use you to take his name across the globe? You that haven't got a job right now, you that haven't got a passport right now, you that have never traveled on an airplane before, you who have never crossed the border before, do you know this, that God is commissioning you and has got for you a mission to the globe and it comes with his power to be able to minister to wherever you are? You that have never been to school, you that don't have a matric, you that don't have a formal education, but you have Jesus, I tell you what, you have the wisdom of the creator of the earth, of heaven and earth in you, ready to make you ministers. A lack of education is no excuse for a lack of ministry. No excuse. And we've got to stop making that excuse. Sure, I'm getting excited, Jack. And he says this Holy Spirit is going to come to you to make you witnesses. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit is going to come to you so that you can wriggle on the floor, lie on the floor, and get up and do nothing. And your life is not changed, but you keep wanting an encounter with God. Lord, encounter me, encounter me, encounter me, encounter me. And you sit down again. Friends, the reason why God encounters you is because he's got a mission for you. He wants you to be witnesses. I'm getting really excited now. You know what a witness is? A witness that has secondhand information is not a credible witness. A witness that has firsthand, I've seen him, I've touched him, I know him, I know who he is. This is him. That's, an incre- that's a credible witness. And the thing that makes us an incredible witness is the promise of the Holy Spirit that the Father gives to us. In the name of Jesus. Okay, let's move on. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Jesus said to them, go and wait there. For 10 days they're waiting there, all of them, a whole bunch of them, 120 of them. (coughs) I've got to get fit, I can't breathe. Help me, Jesus. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues, thanks, silly. They saw what seemed to be tongues, of uh, where am I? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on, on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. The thing that was lost in, in Babylon, where, they, where the languages were separated and, and the, the nations were separated, under the name of God, in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, outpoured, all of a sudden they start speaking languages of different natures, nations that they don't know. Because God is saying, my church, I'm empowering you to take the nations back for me. I'm not empowering you to take South Africa back for me. 
I'm empowering you to take South Africa back for me. I'm empowering you to take Botswana back for me. I'm empowering you to take Kenya back for me. I'm empowering you to take Europe back for me. I'm empowering you to take Australia back for me. I'm empowering you to take Singapore back for me. I'm empowering you to take Vietnam back for me. I'm empowering you to take Brazil back for me. Where am I? Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They were heard the sound. The crowd came together in bewilderment because they heard one of them, each one of them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they said, are you not all these men, are these men who are speaking Galileans? Like, these guys shouldn't know those languages. These guys are Galileans. They don't know these languages. I don't understand what's happening. They're bewildered. Now, how is that each one of us hears it in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Do you believe that the power of God can come upon you that you can speak Arab to Muslims? I'm just saying, guys, it happened there. Why can't it happen again? That we don't spend five years learning Arabic. That the Spirit of God gives us Arabic and then gives us the Muslim nations for, for the name of Jesus. Declaring wonders of God in their own tongues, amazed and perplexed, they were asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them were made fun of them and said they've been had too much wine. They said they, they don't understand this. They, they, what's happening here? Are these guys drunk? Friends, please, when the baptism of the Spirit, let us not make too much of this thing. They were drunk. It was a, it was a, it was a term of, um, it, was, it was not, a, it was not a, a good thing. It was actually a bad thing. When the Spirit of God comes on you, He can come on you in any way He likes. And some of you might look drunk. But friends, that is not the thing for when the Spirit of God comes on you. Because if you're drunk in the Spirit and you're not a good witness, I'm not sure what happened there. Unless, you, unless there's boldness of witness, unless there's power released through your life because of that, what happened there? Anyway, he carries on. Paul, Peter stands up in verse 14. Then Peter stood up. It was that moment then Peter the apostle who denied Jesus, and Jesus before that had said to him, don't worry, when, when your brothers need you, you come back and you speak to them. At this moment, in this prophetic moment, he stands up and he preaches a word to these guys. And this is what he says. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this, is, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit only on the elders. Hope you got your Bibles with you. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Are you all people? Am I all people? God says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All of my church, your sons and daughters will prophesy. He's expecting their sons and daughters to prophesy. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Old men, are you dreaming dreams? Are you expecting to dream dreams? Or do you think that dreams is wonky theology? I want to tell you right now, throughout the scriptures, God speaks to us in dreams. Everywhere. It's like all over the scriptures. Dreams have significant importance. And the reason why that is, is because we switch off our pips for a moment while we're sleeping and God can actually speak to us. And maybe older people have just got too much information and too much life that God needs to speak to them when they're sleeping. I'm just saying, I don't know. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious days of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, this spirit was poured out so that everyone that pours on the name of the Lord will be saved. This thing was poured out on us so that we can be witnesses to see people's lives changed and to see people come to Jesus. Sons and daughters, young and old, men and women, black and white, educated and uneducated. Jesus doesn't say go to Bible school and get an education before you can minister. Jesus says receive the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere. Stay where you are until you've received that so that you can go. That's, what it, that's the, the qualification, friends, is the blood of Jesus, a circumcised heart, where actually it's not about me, it's about him. I die to live. That's what he says. That's what the qualification is. And then we receive the power from him to do what we call to do. This is what he says. And then turn over the page to verse 32 of chapter 2. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted, this is Peter now continuing his preach. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ascension... He was exalted, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and the gift that the Father gave him was the Holy Spirit. Received this thing, this, this, this other person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, and has now poured out what you now see and hear. Friends, Jesus is pouring out the Holy Spirit because he has received it from the Father on his church. We don't work for the Holy Spirit. We don't conjure up. We don't. We receive the Holy Spirit as a promise and a gift. Because Jesus has made the way to give it to us. It's not because we've got a perfect life that we receive the Holy Spirit. It's because Jesus did. Jesus received the Holy Spirit and he poured out what you now see and hear. Let's move on. Verse 36. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ... When the, Bible, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other, other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord will call. Who believes the promise of the outpoured Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who call on the Lord? Do you call on the Lord this morning? It's yours. It's yours. 
Friends, this is different to, this is different to who, what we receive when we give our life to Jesus, where we become the temple of God. You see, the Spirit of God is in us, as Hilton said this weekend. The Spirit of God is in us for ourselves, but He's upon us for others. The Spirit of God is in us for ourselves, saves us, recalls us, puts us together, helps us follow Jesus. And then He puts Himself on us so that we can give Him away to others. Jesus was the prime example of this. He was born and conceived by the Spirit. In, from birth, He had the Spirit. He, had, he was the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there was a time when He got baptized, and it says in Luke, it says, and the heavens were torn open, and the Spirit came down like a dove and remained on Him. And from that day on, He started operating in power. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have been imprisoned. They come back. They come back to the people. Verse 27, chapter 4. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your Holy Spirit Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In the face of persecution, now remember, friends, this is the same group of people that was in Acts chapter 2. The same group, Peter and John, with the, with the, with the connections. He's there, and, they, and, and they, they're facing this persecution from Herod. Guess what they do? They go before God and say, God, this is, I know we've been persecuted, but your sovereign hand is on us, and we're gonna, we want to see your signs and wonders break into these people's lives. Enable us to see these things, he said, they say. And to speak the word with great boldness in the face of persecution. The church is not speaking the, the name of Jesus boldly because it's not receiving the power to be able, enable it to do it. We're not believing, we're not re- understanding that actually we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not, the in, not just the indwelling Spirit, but a power from on high that we to remain in the city for so that we can go. And he says there, look what it carries on. Stretch out your hand, Lord. To heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders and through the name of your holy servant Jesus. As they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They didn't. But filled with the Holy Spirit and have a party in the building saying, oh, isn't this amazing? God's here. They were filled with the Spirit and they began to speak the Word of God boldly in the face of persecution. The same group. It's important, this, friends, because the baptism of the Spirit, the indwelling Spirit is what you get once off when you, are in, when you get saved. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a recurring thing that you need to go back to God for over and over again. The same group of people. We should be expecting God in different moments of our lives, in different occasions of our lives, to baptize us afresh with a new fire, with a new wine that will actually enable us to do what He's called us to do in that time. We can't keep relying on what used to be. We've got to rely on what is and what we have, not what we had, not what things were like. There's no power in the past. There's power in the presence of God in the present for the future. Let's move on. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. This is Simon the sorcerer. You see in verse 4 of chapter 8. 
Peter is in Samaria. The, the power of God is moving. When the crowds heard Philip in verse 6, they saw the miraculous signs he did. Then they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytic cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. There was a revival that happened under, under the ministry of Philip. And what happens is Jerusalem hears about this in verse 14. You see this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of the Lord, word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. These are people that had received God already. God, they were already temples of the Holy Spirit, but then they come there. It says that they, they accepted the word of God. Then they, said, they come and they say that they might receive, they prayed for them that they might re receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of Jesus. Can you see the two different things operating in Acts chapter 8? The indwelling Spirit and the baptism, the, on, the Spirit upon us that equips us to minister. Then Peter and John placed their hands on him and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Simon the sorcerer comes and says, I want that. What, how much do you want? They say, what's that? You can't pay for that. That's a gift and a promise from God. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, talking about this is now Paul. The picture, Paul's been struck blind. And God speaks to this man, Ananias, to go to him and pray for him. Verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Not a great word. Then, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He, he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Amazing thing. Saul gets filled with the Holy Spirit before he's baptized in water. Just shows you you can be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. No rules here. But then what happens is Saul... Look at what it says there. Saul spent several days there. At once he began to preach in the synagogues. All of a sudden, Saul changes modes because the Spirit of God has enabled him to speak the word boldly, and he goes into the synagogues and starts evangelizing and starts displaying the glory of Jesus. Acts chapter 10. Peter is told that the Gentiles are going to come to faith in Jesus. He has a vision. And he said, of, of, of these guys eating pork and things that are unclean. And he says, no, surely not, Lord. God says, no, 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 surely yes. You see, our opinions don't really matter to God. It's what he wants to do, he will do. And if we're not prepared to do it, friends. Next one. Friends, God's not precious about our... He is precious about his will and his heart for this nation and for this globe and for this universe that we are meant to take his name to. And he will use us, friends. And if we don't want to be used, then we sit on our papachas. It's okay. He'll use somebody else. He says this. He commanded us to preach the, to the people and to testify that he, is, that, he, the, that he is the one whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. 
all the prophets testify about him, and that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words to these Gentiles in Cornelius' house, he was a God-fearing man but a Roman. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How can that be, Lord God, these filthy, dirty Gentiles? Even on them, they noticed this, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There we start to see the gift of tongues being connected to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did you see in Acts chapter 8, it didn't say that they spoke in tongues. It just said they were filled, and Simon said, I want that. Yeah, they get filled with the Spirit, and the tongues start to come, this gift of tongues, which, friends, is to edify ourselves. So God gives us the gift of tongues and a heavenly language, a language that is beyond our explanation and our kind of thinking because it's kind of, the Bible talks about the language of angels trying to explain this thing. And what happens is they get filled. These Gentiles now start speaking in tongues. Don't be scared of speaking in tongues. And don't be condemned if you don't. It's not the mark of the, of the Holy Spirit, but it seems through Scripture that that is the thing that normally accompanies it. So much condemnation. I haven't been filled with the Spirit because I don't speak in tongues. No, you have. You can be. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. So they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Verse 15 of chapter 11, just across the page. As he began, now Peter's now recounting, explaining his actions. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as they had come on us at the beginning. So he's trying to explain to them, actually the Gentiles are part of this. The same Holy Spirit that came on us then, came on them then. God is here and God is with them and God is for them. Who can we, how can we be against them? Incredible. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter... 19, last scripture. When Apollos was with at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, God just messes with our categories. We think we've got this thing all sorted, theology, da, 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 da. and it's like they encountered these guys, found some disciples, perhaps, perhaps disciples of John. Have you received the Holy Spirit? They answered, no, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? Ah, there we go, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one that is coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Those 12 men take the city of Ephesus and turn it upside down and engage the whole region. And there you see again, the gift of tongues comes with baptism in the Spirit. Friends, the reason why I'm taking us through these scriptures so deliberately like this is I want us to have faith according to the Word of God about the Spirit of God that wants to come upon us. 
Because, friends, we are not going to get this job done. I haven't even opened my notes yet. I don't know what I've done yet. We're not going to get this job done without the power of God. And more and more I'm convinced of this, is that we need to be immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the person of the Holy Spirit, so that we can begin to speak the word of God boldly, to see signs and wonders come through our hands. You know, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, like, he, it's like we get um, defibrillated. That's why some people do funny things. Is you're taking, a, you're taking an eternal, infinite power and putting it into a temporal, um, earthly body that doesn't know how to contend with this power. One day when we have a resurrected body, it'll be normal. But in this body, it's like, what's happening to me? But please, can I just say to that, say to you, if nothing happens to you, it doesn't mean you haven't been baptized. I have never fallen over. I have been prayed for by Bill Johnson. I've been prayed for by Randy Clark twice. I've been prayed for by Shehan. I've been prayed for by George and Banoff. These are all guys that are in the, in the, in the, in the kind of uh, Spirit of God, big Spirit of God guys. They're the big guys. Big names. I'm like the rock of Gibraltar. I tell you what, it was so embarrassing. I was in a conference in America. And they said, they came, please, will you come up? If you're a church leader or an elder, that I come up, you know. The stage is just full. And we're in lines. And we've got all these guys coming and just, I'm getting there. I'm thinking, oh, Bill Johnson's coming up. And literally, as the road goes by, down, 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 down. Down, up this road, down, down, down. Whoa, this guy's doing this. Down, down, this guy. Ah, down, 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 down. Stand. Down, 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 down. I'm the only oak on the stage standing. Take the condemnation off of you. If God wants to push you over and God wants to put a thousand volts of electricity through your body to awaken you, He can do that. But if He doesn't, the Spirit of God is big enough and powerful enough to do whatever He likes with you no matter what your manifestation. Don't be scared of the manifestation. God will never ever make you lose control. The Spirit of the prophets is under the control of the prophets. God never forces himself on us, friends. But man, he wants to zap us. He wants to get us. And I've got so much faith. I'm saying, Lord, please, when Gene Guthrie comes, please, Lord, let me not be the only person in the church standing. I'm making light of this because I want people to be free. Why should you want this? I'm ending off. Why should you want this? Because you need it. Don't leave the city without it. Don't go and start doing ministry without it. The second reason why we want this is that Jesus was our example. He had to have it happen to him. So better we get the same. Number three, the reason why we need this is for the sake of others. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that I can see people come to Jesus. I want, a, I, want a, I want a supernatural love to pour out of me for the love of the nations. I want to see the power of God come through my life in a powerful way. Friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is primarily for others, not for you. Number four, the reason why we want it, it's a gift. 
Do you not want the gift? And it's a promise. So it's a gift you receive, but it's a promise you take hold of. God wants to pour out His Spirit right now this morning. And I'm so pumped right now. The question is, how would we do this? Because it does say they laid hands, they touched it. I think, you know what we're going to do, friends? If you, want, if, if you want this, and I trust everybody does. This is not weird. It's not like weird Pentecostal. The Pentecostals gave this back to us. Thank God for them. Azusa Street. Don't lose what God's given back to us. Don't, re- don't reject what God's given back to the church.